Father God, we love you. We give thanks, uh, God, that you have already been speaking and encouraging each of us uh, in the time that we've had. But God, I believe you have more for each of us as we open your words. So God, I just pray uh, that you would have the loudest voice here today. And uh, God, I pray that what we need to hear from you is exactly what we would hear. God, I give thanks that you know every single person that's here. You love us unconditionally, but God, you know us so well that you know exactly what we need to hear today. And so, Jesus, I just pray uh, that you would speak to those that just need help, encouragement, conviction, inspiration, uh, wisdom, guidance. God, I just I pray that you would speak, that each of us would leave this space today saying, I got to worship a God who is talking to me today. Uh, so God, please uh, help our hearts to receive anything and everything that you have, and help our ears to hear everything, God, that you would have to say to us today. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, so this is uh, week number six in the Ask series, uh, and I've shared this uh, six weeks in a row, but our heart in this series was that we would see God. Uh, Lots of people have great questions uh, for God, but not everyone gets to see God in the midst of the questions that they have, meaning we don't just care about giving answers. We want to see God in the midst of the questions that people are asking. Uh, And today, in particular, uh, there was roughly about 75, 80 questions that came in, uh, and there was roughly about 20 to 25 questions that came in alone on this topic. So this was by far the most popular topic. It was about dating. uh, It was about relationships and marriage. So here are the questions uh, that came in, not all of them, but a snapshot. Does God even care about my love life? Uh, Regarding the opposite gender, how do you know if God has chosen them as the one? Uh, That's actually in quotations in the question, so the one. Uh, I'm a Christian, single, and I'm in a physical relationship with a non-believer. Am I going to hell? Uh, Another question, how do I balance my singleness with my sexuality in a way that is pleasing to God? Uh, One more question. My husband rarely prays for me with me. I deeply desire him to step up and ask me what I would like prayer for uh, and then pray out loud for those things. How do I get him to desire to pray uh, more for me and with me? As I mentioned, uh, these dating, singleness, uh, relationships, marriage, this by far was the most popular topic uh, of questions that came in. Uh, and I don't want to overanalyze this, but uh, I wrote it down in my journal. It's, we all place a very high value on relationships. Uh, we all place a high value on relationships. Now, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad with that. Like If you go back to the Garden of Eden, the first thing that God says to man is, man, it's not good for you to be alone. It is not good for you, Adam, to be alone. That's in Genesis chapter 2. What's always been interesting to me about that verse in particular is when I read it, I'm like, but he wasn't alone. He had you. Like, so God, what are you actually saying when you say to Adam, it is not good for you to be alone when Adam clearly had a relationship with you? So as I've wrestled with that and thought about it, I wrote it down in my journal. God created us to know him in the context of community. God created us to know him. Adam had a relationship with God, but he didn't have a relationship with anyone else. And God says, that's not good. So God created us to know him in the context of community. 
I'm thankful that God created me to know him, um, but what often happens is I begin to look to other relationships uh, that those relationships would do for me what only God can do for me. And anytime we look to somebody else, whether it's a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, uh, a wife, a husband, fiance, anytime we look to somebody else to do the very thing that God promised to do for us, but we look to someone else to do that, uh, it never, ever ends well. Um, So the questions we're covering today reflect a very, what I would say, a godly desire, because God created us for each other, for him, but to know each other in community. But the questions also reflect how challenging relationships can be. Um, This is not going to be include every single person here, but as I was thinking about, God, who's going to be here on Sunday at the 11 a.m. gathering? Uh, God, who is going to be listening to this message in the range of emotions and feelings when you start talking about relationships with a guy or a girl, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, husband, wife, there is a range of emotions uh, that rise up. Single people who are excited about getting married one day and are hopeful it will happen. Single people who have either lost or are losing hope that their day will ever come. There are single people here who are believing they'll never get married because of the way that they look or the things that they've gone through or because of their age. There are single people here who believe that if they could just get married, they would not have that feeling of, I'm missing something. There are single people here who have been hurt so badly by the opposite sex and the thought of a healthy, enjoyable relationship ever becoming a reality is just long gone. There are single people here who are scared to death at the thought of marriage. And it might not just be marriage, but the thought of actually committing yourself to one person. There are married people here who are just getting started in marriage. Some are enjoying the season of discovery, and some are discouraged by what the season of discovery has already started to reveal. There are married people here today who have been doing the marriage thing for a while, but the reality is you're living more like roommates sharing a space uh, than sharing a heart together. There are married people here who've lost hope that their marriage will ever recover from just past pains uh, caused by their husband or past pains caused by uh, their wife. Now, there's married people here who feel stuck. They don't want to get divorced because who wants that, but they have no idea of how to actually move things forward towards an enjoyable relationship, a healthy relationship, a God-honoring relationship And there's married people here who desperately wish they could tell their spouse where they really are, but they have this discouraging feeling that it wouldn't really matter to them anyways. Now, clearly, I don't think I've covered every relational emotion represented here, but my point in even identifying those uh, is when we talk about relationships, we need a lot of help. Namely, we need God. And if it's true that God created us to know him, to enjoy relationship with him, but the very God that created us to know him declared it's not good for you to be alone, and he created us to enjoy him in community, then we need to consider and look at the God who made us. We need help of how do we do these relationships well? How do we do being a single man well, being a single woman? How do we date well? How do we do engagement well? How do we do marriage well? Uh, So great questions that came in today. Uh, And before I answer those, I wanted to share just two, what I would just call biblical truths uh, to hopefully set the stage for how these questions are going to get answered. So number one, and this is for those who are single, 
Uh, biblical truth number one, singleness is not a disease, it's a gift. I feel like sometimes the way in the church in particular, if you're single and you say, yeah, I'm single, uh, married people's response is like, wow, I'll, I'll be praying for you. I mean, that's just got to be hard. Like, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll commit to every Friday at noon praying for your disease called singleness. And I just want you to know that if you are single, you do not actually have a disease. Singleness is not a disease. It's an absolute gift. And I realize that if you're single and your desire is to get married today, um, being single might not at all feel like a gift uh, because you have these desires to be with a man or to be with a woman. And again, those are good. Those are godly. But as I consider what God actually has to say about singleness is he actually says it's a gift. It's not a curse. Uh, it's not a disease. I want to share with you a few verses from 1 Corinthians 7, and this is written by a single man. And I don't think any one of us would look at the Apostle Paul and be like, he was JV. He was JV. He never made the cut to get to the varsity of the married team. Uh, but Apostle Paul says this, I want you to be free from the concern of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Now, clearly, Paul is not saying that once you're married, it's all over. His, his mindset is not like, please just stay single because when you get married, it's just uh, it's awful. He's not saying to married people that you can't be used by God, that you can't see God at work in your life and through your life. Quite the contrary, if you uh, read... Later on in a different letter that Paul wrote, he actually says that the marriage relationship is the picture, is the image that God has given to us of how he feels about us. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, this is a great mystery, the mystery of husband and wife, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So I just wanted you to catch, single or married, God wants to use you. You don't have to be single to be used or single or married. God wants to use you. But the challenge and the invitation that I have for those who are single would be this. Use your single years to serve the Lord. Use your years of being single to serve God. Use your years of being single to walk with God and be used by God. I think the character often of single people that's wrong is, well, they just have all this free time on their hands, and they just really don't do anything, and they're just kind of sitting around and just twiddling their thumbs waiting for them to get married one day. Now, that might be true for some people, but I think a better picture of all of the single people that I know uh, is they work pretty hard. They're working very hard. They're very busy. There are many responsibilities. But my question for you, if you are single, would be this. Are you working hard at doing all you want to do or working towards all that God wants to do? Because there's a big difference. 
There's a big difference in our single years of using those years to work as hard as we can to get that job, to build up the resume, to do all of the things that we want to do, to make the money, to pay for the things that we want. And so we're working and we're working and we're really, really busy. But I would just ask you, if you are single today, are you working it hard at doing all you want? Or are you working towards all that God wants to do with you and through you? My observation is, for those that in their single years made the decision, I want to serve God. I want to use the time that I have in these years to be effective, to be used by God, to help other people see him. What happens when they get married, if they did that in their single years, it carries over into the foundation of how they live out their marriage. But I have found that people who are single and they worked really hard in their single years doing everything that they wanted to do, that same attitude and that same mentality spills over into their marriage. And if you're married and you're married to someone who is all about doing all that they want to do and they work really hard towards that, you would be the first to say that that's not helpful, that's not healthy, that's actually incredibly uh, dysfunctional. So if you are single today, how are you using your single years in service to God and service to others? I'm not asking this like to guilt trip anyone because I actually want your single years that you could look back and say, they were some of the most amazing years of getting to see God at work in my life. Uh, I don't want you to look back and be like, well, I got a great job and I worked really hard and I did 80 hours and I built a good bank account and I did all of these things. I want you to have stories before you get married, if that's what God has for you, of what it looks like to work towards all that God wants you to do. Uh, A second biblical truth that I would share uh, would be this. Marriage is a gift from God, but it's a temporary gift. Marriage is a gift from God, but it is a temporary gift. I want to be clear. uh, It is an absolute gift from God, the marriage relationship But scripture makes very clear, uh, it is very temporary. I will not be married forever. I will not be married in eternity. I will, it it doesn't go on for the rest of our existence, our eternity. So marriage is a gift from God, but it is a temporary gift. When Jesus, uh, some religious leaders came up to him and they were trying to ask him questions about the resurrection and they had a question specifically about marriage. This was Jesus's response. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Jesus made clear that marriage is, is, is for now for some, not for all, but for some, but it's not forever. Marriage is important, but it's not the ultimate. Uh, Tim Chester wrote a great book called Gospel-Centered Marriage, and it's one of those books, if you just don't like to read, it's only like 60 pages, so it's, it's very quick. But he says this, marriage is really important because it points to God's relationship with his people. And yet marriage is not really, really important. It's not the ultimate thing in life. God is the ultimate. Not our spouse, nor our marriage, nor sex. God is the ultimate. Now, I'm not sharing this to bum anyone out, but when people view marriage as the ultimate thing, you're going to be really disappointed. When you look at your husband as the ultimate, that he's going to do everything that you think you want and need, you'll be, you'll be bummed. And husbands, if you look at your wife, and, and that re- you'll be disappointed. Marriage is a gift, but it's not the gift. It's not the ultimate thing. John Piper, in my, if you're going to read a book on marriage, 
This is my favorite book that has been helpful, challenging, convicting, inspiring. Uh, And the title of the book is just called This Momentary Marriage. And when I first read this years ago, I was like, what a weird title. Like, why would you? And the whole book is, how do you live this momentary relationship that God has given you in light of eternity? And he says this, romance, sex, and children are temporary gifts for God. They are not part of the next life. And they are not guaranteed uh, even for this life. They are one possible path along the narrow way to paradise. Marriage is a gift, but it is a temporary gift. Uh, this coming Valentine's Day, so a few months from now, I will have been married to Kyla for 18 years. And I am thankful that for 18 years, God has given me this gift of walking hand in hand with Kyla. Uh, God has helped me remember over and over and again and again that marriage, it is an absolute gift. But the one verse that has been really challenging and has really shaped much of our marriage, it's going to be a really weird verse, uh, is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. It says this, but let me say this, again, Paul, the single one talking, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those who Uh, Those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. That one verse has shaped what our marriage looks like. And I want to caution you not for anyone to say, sweet, I got a verse now that says I don't have to focus on my marriage. I can focus on other things. That would to be grossly take that verse completely out of context, a terrible interpretation. But for Kyla and I, how we have understood this verse and how It has shaped our marriage uh, is this. I wrote down my journal like this. Do not make the mission of your marriage your marriage. Rather, make the mission of your marriage the mission God has given you. I promise you. And I tell uh, people when I'm doing premarital counseling, and it sounds so counterintuitive, it sounds so weird and foreign, but I tell them, do not make the mission of your marriage uh, your marriage. Because if you do, you'll you'll be very disappointed. But the encouragement in scriptures, don't make the mission of your marriage your marriage, but make the mission of your marriage the mission that God has given you. So I got married when I was 24, um, just turning 25. And somewhere in the early 20s, uh, God just got a hold of my life. Uh, And I was the guy that was walking in the complete opposite direction of anything that God wanted. Uh, I was fighting against that. But in the early 20s, God just grabbed hold of my heart. And I remember in my basement at uh, The Ohio State University praying, God, my life, I just want to do whatever it is you want to do. I don't even care what it is. I just want to be the guy that just does whatever it is that you want me to do. While I was at uh, The Ohio State University, I met a girl named Kyla. Uh, and I met this girl, Kyla, met a woman who wanted to do the same thing. And for the past 18 years, we've been able to hold hands doing as best we can just to walk on that road towards paradise doing what God wants us to do. And I do not stand here in any type of arrogance. Uh, I do not have a perfect marriage, but I have a healthy marriage. I can tell you that after 18 years, my marriage today is more healthy than it has ever been. And I don't say that in a weird, prideful, arrogant way. It's not perfect, but it's healthy. And I know that it's healthy because the mission of our marriage is not our marriage. 
We're not trying to make our marriage about our marriage. We're trying to make our marriage about everything that God has wanted us to do. And this is the, this is the thing. I just get to do what I really wanted to do of walking with God and just being used by God. Kyla wants to do the same thing. Well, now we just get to hold hands and go that same direction together. That's it. So marriage is a gift from God, but I want you to see that it is a temporary gift. Uh, And the beauty is when you realize that marriage actually is a gift, you can start enjoying it as such. Because if your marriage is really the, the thing, the mission of your marriage is your marriage, you're always just looking within and just tearing it apart. But my marriage is a gift, and I can enjoy it as a gift. And I'm not suggesting we don't have hard times and things that we go through. We wrestle just like anyone else. Not physically, but, you know, wrestle. <laughs> and, but because the mission of our marriage is not our marriage, it shapes how we go through hard times. It shapes how we go through conflict. All right, so those are some biblical truths. Here are some thoughts on the questions that were asked. Does God care about your love life? Here's my answer. I think so. I think so. What I do know for certain is that God cares more about you understanding his love for you than he is about you finding some lesser love for you to give yourself to. So I'm not trying to be too flippant. I'm pretty confident God cares about your love life, but he so much more cares about you understanding how greatly loved you are by him. This is, again, the Apostle Paul, a prayer for a community in Ephesus. He says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of of God. God wants you to be filled with him so that any relationship that you have with a guy or a girl, like a dating relationship, or if you're married, a married relationship, you will not look to your spouse or to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to your fiance to do for you what God says, but I want to do that for you. I want you to be filled with the fullness of who I am. I want you to be filled with the fullness of my love for you. And someone who is filled with the fullness of God's love, man, that person is healthy. That person has so much love to give because God continues to pour that love out into your life. In other words, where God wants all of us to get to a place where we could say with confidence and conviction would be this, God is enough for all of me all of the time. Whether I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether I have a, a, um, a husband or a wife, God is enough for me. I am filled with him. If God chooses to bring someone along my path that he wants me to walk hand in hand with, accomplishing what he wants to do, awesome. It's a gift. But God is enough for all of me all of the time. Question, is Kyla the one for me? That was the question that came in. Is is there one for someone out there? And here's how I would answer that question. Uh, I really thought Kyla was pretty. Um, We had a blast together. She was my best friend, and she wanted to make her life all about Jesus. So I asked her if she wanted to spend some time with me for the rest of my life, and she said yes. So if that makes Kyla the one, then I guess she's the one. I, I don't view Kyla as my soulmate. I don't view Kyla as the one. 
And I know that's popular kind of in culture to, to talk about, this is my soulmate. Gosh, do you know how much pressure that would be on Kyla if I'm like, but you're the one. Like, you, are, you have to stop doing that. It's hurt. You're the one and you're hurting me right now. That is too much to put on someone. And so for Kyla and I, what has been most helpful is to say, Michael, you're not the one, you're two. And Kyla, you're not the one, you're two. Let's make our lives about really the one and see what the one will do with the two of us actually together. So again, I'm not saying that there's not just one person out there for you, but I guess I would invite you not to approach it as you're on this search for the one. You're, you're not. You're not on this search for your soulmate. What God wants you to experience is his fullness in you, and then as you walk with him, if there's somebody that God allows to cross your path that is headed in the same direction and has the same vision and values and mission that you have, then grab their hand and enjoy that gift together. Um, so my encouragement, rather than focus on the one, just enjoy living out in the fullness uh, of God as the one, single, dating, or married. Uh, question, I'm a Christian, single, I'm in a physical relationship with a non-believer, am I going to hell? Uh, and the answer would be no, you're not going to hell because of that. Rejecting God's eternal provision, meaning rejecting Jesus, would cause eternal separation from God. God made clear there's only one way we can know him in eternity, to have all of our sins forgiven, and that is through faith in Christ uh, alone. Uh, so no, if that's the question, then no, that's not going to lead you to hell. But my question for you, and again, I know this is just one person who asked this question, uh, but if this is at all kind of crossed your mind, of, but I'm doing this, how does God really feel about that? I have two questions for you. Number one would be, are you following Jesus where he wants you to go, or are you inviting Jesus to follow you where you'd like to go? Because when I read that question, that's what I first thought of. This is someone who's a Christian, uh, and they're dating a non-believer, and there seems to be a physical relationship going on. And so my first thought was, this is a Christian who's inviting Jesus to be part of what he wants to do. And there's a major difference of actually Jesus inviting us to follow him in what he wants to do. And so that would be a, a question for you. Are you following him, or are you inviting him to follow you? And just to remind you, Jesus isn't going to follow you. Uh, he's not going to follow you where you want to go because the invitation was, come follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross every single day. A second question that I would ask for you would be this. Would you ever build a home on two separate foundations? I'm not a carpenter, but um, I'm pretty confident that if I was going to build a home, I would pick one solid foundation to build that home on. Uh, I think it would be ridiculous to say, well, we're going to make this foundation kind of look like this shape, and then we're going to build the other foundation to look like this shape, but we're going to try to put one house on this foundation, and hopefully it will work. I think most of us would agree that's silly. Every relationship has a foundation. Every dating relationship, every friendship, every marriage, every relationship has a foundation. It's just a question of what foundation will you choose to build that relationship on. And the beauty of being a Christian is Jesus said, I'm the rock. I am the foundation. If you choose to build your life, consequently, all of your relationships on that foundation, storms might come, trials might come, hard things might come, but your foundation is solid. So if you're a Christian dating someone who is not a Christian, 
Those are two totally separate foundations. And inevitably, it just won't work. And I know the, the re- rebuttal to that would be, but Michael, I'm a Christian, and I really, 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 really like, I really like this girl. And so I'm going to be with her because I really want her to also like Jesus. And so we have this approach of, I'm a Christian, but she's not a Christian, or you know, I'm a Christian, but he's not a Christian, and, and hopefully somehow they're going to become a Christian because they see of how I'm inviting Jesus to follow me. And I know the mentality is, I really love that person. And this might be hard to hear, but I want to invite you or challenge you with this. The most loving thing that you could possibly do for that person is to get out of their way. You might be the very thing that is hindering them from actually seeing how amazing God is because they can't stop looking at you. And I know that's hard because you're like, but I really care about them. And I would say that is great. I'm thankful you care about them. But if you care about them, then do the most caring thing and get out of the way so that they can see the one who actually cares totally, unconditionally about them. Now, I will be uh, very honest with you. I'm a total, total hypocrite with this. And I hate even telling you this because someone might look and be like, well, Michael did it. It seemed to work out for him. When I was in college, I started dating Kyla when she was not a Christian. And I was the guy that said, well, she's going to become a Christian because I'm just living such a Christ-like life and all of the things that I'm doing that, of course, you'll want to know this God. And I don't like sharing that story with you because God still used my sinful, selfish, stupid ideas to accomplish his much greater plans. So yeah, I am thankful that it worked out in our story. But I will also be honest with you and tell you that our dating relationship, our engagement relationship, and the early years of our marriage was really hard. And it was really hard because we had sowed so many seeds of just junk, so many seeds of physical sin. It was just bad. And you reap what you sow. So I'm thankful that God used some bad choices in my life to redeem them for something amazing. But the most loving thing that you could do for someone that you genuinely care about, if you want them to see God, then just duck. Get out of the way so that they can see him. Number four, how do I balance my singleness with my sexuality in a way that is pleasing to God? I thought this was a really great, thoughtful question. Um, And my answer would be this. Do not worry about being balanced. Just be holy. Sometimes we're wondering, I want to balance this and I want a little bit of this and a little bit of this. I'm trying to figure out what's okay, what's not okay. Where's the line? How close can I get to the line without falling over the line? But then if I fall over, I got a new line. So how does that work? And I just wanted to encourage you. uh, God's not looking for you to be balanced with anything. He just wants you to be holy. He just wants you to be holy. And I'd say that to a single guy, a single girl, a married guy, a married girl. God wants you to be holy, 1 Peter. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Everything you do, be holy, just as God who chose you is holy. 1 Thessalonians 4, God will, uh, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Ephesians 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. So 
Don't be balanced. Don't worry about trying to find where the line is. Make the decision just to say, God's invited me to be holy. Why? Because he's holy. And as I pursue that path of holiness, I get to see a holy God in my life. So a good question would be, well, what does it look like, practically speaking, to be holy? And obviously, we could talk about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I wrote down two things that were certainly helpful to me when I was single, then dating, then engaged, and then married. Uh, Two things I'd give you. Treat the opposite sex as you'd want someone treating your future spouse. When I was single, I liked it when women liked me. I liked it a lot because I was really insecure. And so I would use women to make me feel better about myself. I would manipulate relationships. I didn't really want a girlfriend, but I would do enough and I would say enough and I would act in a certain way that that girl would like me. Why? Well, because I was just an insecure jerk. And as soon as she liked me, I'm like, I got what I needed from there. I'm going to move on to somebody else. And I had a, a really good just brother pull me aside one day, and he just totally called me out on what I was doing. And he just said, Michael, how would you feel if you found out that there was some guy out there treating Kyla the same way that you're treating all of these women? And God used that question in my life to make me sick to my stomach. Because I was heartbroken at the thought that somebody would be treating my future spouse, who I didn't know, treating her physically, mentally, relationally, and emotionally, using her so I could feel somehow better about my insecure self. So please treat the opposite sex as you would want someone treating your future spouse. So single men, this means you don't play games with women. You don't play games with their head and their heart just because you're insecure. Single women, this means that you don't flirt with guys or dress in certain ways in hopes that you'll get noticed by certain guys. It also means that you don't act like you're their girlfriend by taking care of them physically, emotionally, practically, because it makes you feel good. There are women who do that, single women who take on a single guy, and they're not in a dating relationship, but they like caring for them physically, emotionally, relationally, because of what it does for them. And my observation with that over the years has been there are too many women who are doing that, and you're allowing boys to remain boys. That's not helpful. So the challenge is, again, not to be balanced with something, but to be holy. And a way to be holy is treat the opposite sex as you would want someone else respectfully, thoughtfully, prayerfully, kindly, graciously, compassionately treating your future spouse. A second way that we can be holy that I wrote down, this is a long sentence, form meaningful relationships today with the same sex, relationships that will help one day when you have a meaningful relationship with the opposite sex. I know that's a a mouthful right there, but the heart of it is, guys, form meaningful relationships with other guys now. Because when you do get married, if that's where you go, you will need another guy in your life that will challenge you, encourage you, help you, pray for you. Never once have, I've met many guys who would say to me, Michael, it's just hard forming relationships with guys. I just, I connect a little bit easier with women. They're just easier to talk to. And I've met women who are like, my God, I've, you know, it's, women are weird. And it's just easier for me to connect and relate with guys. And I get that. But in marriage, that doesn't work. 
I'm only allowed to, as a married man, have one friend of the opposite sex. I have never gone to Kyla and said, hey, Kyla, uh, I'm going out tonight. I'm going to spend some time with Julie. I just, I need to kind of debrief with her about <laughs> how things have been going. And, and Kyla doesn't respond to that. Like, hey, if it doesn't work out with Julie, just give Katie a call. I know that Katie's really good and that, you know, you connect better with, you know, it doesn't happen. It's not sustainable to build these relationships now with the opposite sex that you can't have when you're married. I have many women who I'm friends with, but I don't want you to understand. But Kyla is my friend. She's my best friend. And I need men in my life who will love me enough and challenge me enough to say, you are being a jerk. You're being selfish. You're being hurtful. Men, you need other men today doing that in your life, helping you to be a godly man so that if God gives you the opportunity to be a godly husband, that same friend who challenged you on being a godly man will help you be a godly husband. Um, last thing, last question. Um, my husband rarely prays for me, uh, with me. How do I get him to desire to pray uh, for me more? Uh, and I really love this question. Uh, I don't know, obviously, who sent this in. But it was a thoughtful question coming from a wife who's like, I just want so much more in this relationship. I want to experience what I think I'm supposed to be experiencing with my husband uh, as the leader of this relationship. Men, if you're single now and you want to get married, uh, I really want you to hear this. And men, if you're currently married, meaning you're a husband, I really want you to catch that you have one role in your marriage. You have many things that you'll do in marriage, but you have one major role in that relationship that God's given you, and it's to be the spiritual leader. Spend some time just reading Colossians chapter 3 or Ephesians chapter 5. These are some helpful chapters that talk about the role that God has for men. What's really saddens me is when I ask other husbands, hey, how's it going in, in the relationship? How's it going being spiritual leader? The typical answer is, well, you know, we've been trying to pray together, and, you know, we go to church together. We started recently even serving together. We kind of read the Bible sometimes together. Uh, and my response to that is, man, you're just being spiritual with her. I could do that with your wife. I could read the Bible with your wife. I could pray with your wife. I could serve with your wife. You're just being spiritual. So what happens is you divorce spiritual from leadership. If I'm thinking about leadership just broadly defined, leadership is direction and influence. So men, husbands, as you are walking with God, forming a spiritual relationship with God, what is the direction that God is calling you to walk in? And then how are you influencing that direction in your marriage? Now, to be very clear, this has never happened where I just pull Kyle aside and say, hey, woman, I need you to sit down. And I'm going to tell you what we're doing, why we're doing it, when we're doing it, and how long we're going to do it for, and you are not allowed to talk. That would never, that's just stupid. That's terrible leadership. And there are men who I know because wives have told me this is what's happening. Good leadership, and this is what it looks like for, for us. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's been healthy and it's been helpful. Kyla, as I've been sitting with God... I feel like this is what God's been impressing on my heart. This is what I can't stop thinking about, praying about. I've been journaling. Does this even make sense to you? Does this resonate with you? And sometimes Kyla's like, man, Michael, you need help. No, that doesn't make any sense. And if that's her response, then you know what? We've got something to pray about. 
We've got something collectively to now pray about. But then there are times where Kyla says, man, that's amazing. Uh, she doesn't say man to me. She says, Michael, that's amazing that that's what's on your heart because that's the exact same thing that's been on my heart. And now not only do we have something to pray about, but we have something to talk about. And good leadership then goes to Kyla and says, hey, this is where we are today. What does it look like for us to get over here? I use the language of A and B a lot. This is our A. This represents today. And B represents where could we be four months from now? And Kyla is great at helping to kind of map and think out how we get from where we are to where we're going. And I'll be very honest with you. This is where Kyla and I are at right now. Uh, this was about three and a half months ago. We were walking in our neighborhood, uh, and I said, Kyle, I'm, just, I'm not happy with our intimacy. And I know for some of you, you're like, wow, did he just say he's not happy with his sex life? <laughs> and that's not what I told Kyla. I, I know that when you hear the word intimate or intimacy, you immediately think of physicality, and that is part of it. Intimacy means knowledge. I have great intimacy with Kyla because I know her physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, intellectually like nobody else. And Kyla would say the same for me. But I said three and a half months ago, I feel like we're coasting right now. I feel like we're content and satisfied just to know each other as we know each other. And I just said, I feel like God wants us to grow our intimacy even better, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, all of it. And so over the last three and a half months, that's what we talk about. That's what we pray about. That's what we're thinking about. That's the direction we're headed in. And hopefully in a couple months from now, we'll sit down and say, hey, this is where we're at. This is what God's been talking to me about. So to the husbands, you have one role. To men who are single and you want to be husbands, you have one role, to be a spiritual leader. So men, here is a project for you to get done today. This is what I want. If you're a husband, please, and I'm just humbly asking you do this, Go to your wife at some point this afternoon before you go to sleep tonight and have her fill in the blank to this question. What I need most from you is this. If you're a husband, would you humbly go to your wife and just say, what is it that you need most from me right now? What is it? And wives, when your husbands have the courage to ask you that question, please do not give them the response of, I can't believe you don't know what I need. I'm not going to tell you. You should know exactly what I need. (laughs) Please do not do that. That will be hurtful, and I promise you, your husband will not ask you that question again for a long time. So when your husband actually has the courage to ask you, what is it that you need from me right now? Be gracious, be kind, be helpful, be compassionate. Say, what I really need from you right now most is this. And then husbands, whatever your wife says, would you do that? And then next Sunday, would you ask her again and say, hey, I want to check in. This is spiritual leadership. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for just relationships. God, I give thanks that you looked at Adam and said it's just not good for him to be alone. God, I give thanks that you created us for a relationship with you, and you made that possible through Jesus. But God, I give thanks that You don't want us walking just alone with you. You want us walking with you in community. So God, I I say thank you for that. God, I give thanks for the many relationships that are represented here between brothers and sisters, between men who are pursuing women right now onto marriage and, and vice versa. God, I give thanks for the relationships that 
are here now as husband and wife. God, I pray that these relationships that we have would keep you at the center, as the foundation. And God, if we have strayed away from that at all, would you bring us back to you, that we would again enjoy relationship with you so that we could enjoy freely the gift of relationship we can have with one another. God, I pray for men and women who are single right now. God, whether they will be single for another week, a month, or years to come, God, I pray that the story from their singleness would be you at work in their life and through their life. God, I pray that men and women who are single would give themselves wholeheartedly to you so that in marriage, that rhythm just continues. God, I pray for husbands specifically right now. God, I pray for me and I pray for the other husbands that are here, husbands-to-be. God, I pray that we would honor you, thus honor our wives. And if we have kids, honor our kids by being spiritual leaders, men who walk with you, are listening to you, and God, are sharing those things with our wife. And God, we are helping the direction and influencing the direction of the relationship so that we could see you at work in our lives and in the life of our relationship.